kick is away. It's low and it's wobbly. Takes a big bounce into the hands of Benjamin at the 45. Now at the 40 to the 45-50. Still on his feet. 45-40. Nobody in front of him. Travis Benjamin on the numbers. Left sideline. Touchdown, Chargers. That was your AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, Travis Benjamin's punt return for a touchdown last Sunday on the Chargers Broadcast Network. Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a brand new edition of Chargers Weekly. A bit later, we'll get this week's opposing view from New England with the Boston Globe's Ben Volan. Chargers.com's Ricky Henney also stops by with the latest from the Hoke Performance Center. And with six teams on a bye this week, NFL.com's Matt Harmon shares some streaming options for your fantasy team. But first, we preview Patriots Chargers with the Hall of Famer, Dan Fouts. The great Dan Fouts joins me on Chargers Weekly. And Dan, you were in the booth a few weeks ago when the Chargers started this winning streak on the road against the Giants. What do you think's been the biggest difference in this team you've seen the last three weeks versus the one we saw that started 0-4? Well, I think a couple of things. Uh, defensively, they've been a lot better. Uh, that had been their strength leading up to the uh, the game back in New York. But, uh, you know, the pressure that they were able to get on Eli Manning uh, and then, you know, they've been able to carry that through, uh, that's really set the tone for the team. And, uh, you know, as far as offensively, you know, with Melvin Gordon being healthy, and I think the health has really been the key uh, for throughout the, the, the uh, early part of the season and the turnaround especially. Dan, Phillip Rivers during this winning streak as well, six touchdowns and just one interception. He's making good decisions with the football. As a quarterback, can you point to anything specific regarding the way he's played over this winning streak? Well, you know, Phillip's going to compete, and he doesn't want to, you know, have – uh, negative stats, and he, he knows uh, the reason why he, uh, he's thrown picks early in the season. He may have been rushing some things, uh, maybe trying to make some things happen. But um, you know, as you said, he's he's turned that around. He's been more efficient. Uh, but the thing about him is, you know, he'll always give you his best. Dan, you mentioned Melvin Gordon. According to NFL research, he's seeing forty-six and a half percent of the Chargers' offensive touches, and the volume is there, but still at three point four yards a carry. What can be done to allow Gordon to make some bigger plays in the running game? Well, I, th- I think when you look at stats, you've you got to look at uh, negative runs as much as, as anything. Sure. And, and that always drags down a, a guy's uh, production when you look at the final numbers. So uh, I, I think that that uh, ha- has been a problem for him early in the year, uh, and those things are, are starting to, uh, to turn around. And, you know, he's capable of busting big runs, which helps the average as well. So. Um, you know, I think going forward, it's a little puzzling, though, for me, why he has so many carries, uh, and, and that could be a problem, you know, down the road because 46 percent of the of the touches is way too many. Yeah, that's a lot, and you saw some some of Austin Eckler last week. He had a touchdown. He has two total touchdowns on the season, um, and then Matt Slauson. Uh, a, a big blow to the offensive line. He's going to be out for the year. So they're going to have to figure out some ways to, to get Melvin um, some rest. I, I agree with you there. Uh, Hunter Henry has been featured more recently, Dan. 221 yards, two touchdowns over his last four games. And you played with a pretty good tight end in your day. If you could, explain how much a dominant tight end can really change a game. Well, I think what, uh, what we saw with Kellen Winslow is he changed the game uh, by being able to play from different different positions so uh you know we could put him out wide we could put him on the wing we could put him in the backfield and also at the uh, tight end position and move him around so uh that's what you're seeing not only with hunter henry but throughout the league is is uh teams are looking for that type of athlete uh the chargers will get a heavy dose of that this weekend when they see uh, rob gronkowski and the patriots but uh, you talk about a mismatch that's what you're looking for when you have an athlete like a Kellen Winslow or a Rob Gronkowski or a Hunter Henry. What do you do with Rob Gronkowski, Dan? I, he's, he's a matchup nightmare for, for all 31 teams in the NFL, but specifically the Chargers and their personnel. How do you best match up with a guy who is, is so dominant? Well, I, I think you've got to get to him before he gets started. You know, he's got a long stride. He's very powerful. Um, the big thing about Gronkowski is, He's got a big catch radius as well, great hands and long arms. So uh, if you keep him, and I'm saying this is going to be easy, but if you can <laughs> keep him at the line of scrimmage uh, and, and throw the timing off between him and Brady, Brady will come off him and look for another receiver. Uh, but if he gets down the field, 
Uh, I don't care if you've got two or three guys on him, but because of his size and strength and power, uh, he's almost indefensible. He really is, and then you couple that with the fact that uh, they spread the ball around so much so you really don't know where the ball's going, and they game plan so specifically week to week. Uh, it's always a challenge. And we talk about Tom Brady, Dan. He leads the NFL in passing yards. He has 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. If you fired up some film of Tom Brady 10 seasons ago versus what we see today, Dan, what would be the biggest difference, if anything? Well, I, I think he's more accurate now. Um, he used to miss a lot of throws uh, in the dirt. Uh, he would throw off balance. Uh, there are times now where his, his mechanics are just about perfect, uh, and he's worked at it. That's the key. I mean, you don't play t- until you're 40 unless you've worked very hard at keeping your body right and your mind right. And uh, Brady, of course, has, has a lot of good personnel around him, but he makes it all happen. Um, it's just a real pleasure to watch him operate. And he's been sacked more this year than he was all of last year. And then you talk about Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram coming to town. How does a quarterback prepare for a pass rush as devastating as that combination? Well, that is that is going to be the key for the, the Chargers. Can you get to Brady and can you get to him in a hurry? Because uh, he will get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, I think the bigger concern for the Chargers is how do you stop the run? Because uh, you look at them and they're they're right at the bottom of the league and stopping the run. And the Patriots will take advantage of it because they have four running backs now in Deion Lewis, James White, Mike Gillisley, and Rex Burkhead that all provide different type of skills and that are all used about equally, especially in last week's game against Atlanta. So um, that will be what I'm looking for is to see how much the Patriots run the ball and don't expose Brady to the pass rush of, of Ingram and Bosa. The Chargers had their best run defense performance last week against the Broncos. And over the last three weeks, they've only allowed 12.7 points per game, the exact same as the uh, the Patriots defense. The Patriots defense off to a, a rocky start, and then they're starting to tighten things up. But getting back to Bosa, he needs one sack, Dan, to have the most ever by a player in his first 20 games, according to NFL research, which is which is pretty remarkable. What kind of skills does he bring to the defensive line? We know about his speed, but I, I have to believe that power is just as devastating as you're going to see in the league. Yeah, and, and you combine the, the speed and the power, uh, you get relentless play as well. Um, he gets a lot of pressures and a lot of sacks uh, off the second move, more so than just uh, coming around the corner. Uh, so that's what uh, has impressed me about Bosa is how many times that um, you know he's playing right up until the whistle and he's trying to uh, affect the pass, whether it's with a sack or a, a hit on the quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, for him to get another sack on Brady and, and uh, to establish that type of mark would be a really remarkable. Dan, who were the toughest pass rushers you faced in your career? I know there was a lot of them in that deck. Well, how much time have you got? <laughs> first of all, first of all, I got to remember back that far. Uh, you know that you start with Lawrence Taylor, uh, and then after that, you did everybody else kind of comp- pales in comparison. Uh, but you know, you got your Hall of Famers and Howie Long and Chris Dolman. Uh, it seemed like every team we played, we played had a, a super pass rusher, and you know Jacob Green up in Seattle, and and uh, I could go on and on. And uh, but uh, you know, it, it's. Uh, part of the game and and uh you hope and i was ha- uh, fortunate enough to have a great offensive line that kept me pretty healthy dan with the play up front we talked about Bosa and ingram uh i feel like the play of the secondary has gotten overshadowed a bit how would you assess the play of casey hayward and trevor williams and really jaleel adai who's had a, a fantastic last couple of weeks well it always starts with pass rush and if you get good pass rush it's easier to play in the secondary the the timing of, of the passes they come out more quickly uh, you don't have to cover the guy as long. And, and I think, uh, you know, Hayward, obviously a pro bowler and a guy that, uh, you know, when you, when you have a guy like that, it picks up the entire secondary because um, he gives the example of how to play, how to prepare, and all those things. Adai is such a big hitter that, uh, you know, he, he makes receivers really think twice about uh, coming over the middle. Dan, Tom Brady versus Phillip Rivers. You call a lot of games, but I imagine when you get to call a game like this with two accomplished quarterbacks, it's always a treat for you. Yeah, you know, it, um, it is because you, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get uh, great effort. You're going to get some amazing plays. 
uh, you know, super throws, tremendous leadership, uh, all the things you're looking for uh, in, a, in a couple of great quarterbacks, and, and Sunday we'll have two of the best. Dan, we'll get you out of here on this. On the surface, going to Gillette Stadium and getting a win looks daunting, but this Patriots team has already been beaten twice at home. It was very close to losing a third to Houston. How can the Chargers come out of Foxborough with a win, their fourth straight, entering the bye week? Well, I've done uh, two other uh, Patriot games this year, and one was the Jets uh, against the Patriots, and I did do that Houston game as well. Uh, the Jets showed the blueprint, uh, although it was in New York. Uh, the blueprint is to score early, uh, get the, uh, the game, uh, play the game on your terms, which means playing from ahead and uh, being able to dictate things defensively. Uh, you, the Jets got a turnover early, got a 14-point lead, uh, but the Patriots showed why they're defending champs. They came back and won that game. But, um, you know, for the Chargers, you, you got to play error-free. There's no other way to look at it. No turnovers, and you have to have an advantage in the time of possession. Uh, so all these things will be important for uh, the Chargers going forward against the Patriots. This is going to be a fun one, Dan. He's the great Dan Fouts. He'll be in the booth with Ian Eagle for Sunday's game on CBS. Dan, I can't thank you enough for your time, and I hope you have a great call on Sunday. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Hey, fans, be there live to support the L.A. Chargers this season. Always buy your Chargers tickets from our official ticketing partner, Ticketmaster and the NFL Ticket Exchange. Only Ticketmaster has verified tickets that are 100% guaranteed to get you in every time. Other sellers can only guarantee they'll give you a refund if they sell you a fraudulent ticket. So go with a trusted source and our official partner and know you're going to the game. All right, to get the opposing view for Sunday's game, we bring in NFL and Patriots writer Ben Volan of the Boston Globe. He's a great follow on Twitter, at Ben Volan. Ben, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, doing well. Just a little bit of a soggy week here here in New England. I hope you guys bring your umbrellas from Los Angeles because I think it's supposed to continue into the weekend. Oh, wow. Well, it was, it was also a foggy Sunday, man. It was unbelievable, really. The Patriots beat the Falcons 23-7 in probably the most ridiculous amount of fog I've ever seen. What was it like for you covering it from the press box? It was a little difficult, to be honest. Uh, the press box is pretty high up at Gillette Stadium, and there wasn't any problem. Uh, you know, we kind of sit in the end zone in the corner there, and the action that was right in front of you, you could see, but it, when it was on the other side of the field, forget it. Um, you're, you end up just watching uh, the TV in the press box. Um, and I feel for the Chargers coaches uh, for this Sunday's game, uh, I went back and looked at the uh, all-22 coaches tape, and it's a total whiteout in the second half. I mean, you can't even see anything. It's like a blank screen. So I'm sure the Chargers are probably having to just scout off of the uh, the TV copy or whatever they can find um, because it was uh, it was a fog bowl. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, you got to go back to 88 for the, uh, the original fog bowl. But, you know, besides the fog, Ben, I think the biggest thing I took away from that game was just the play of the Patriots' defense against that Falcons' offense. After getting off to a really tough start, uh, they've really tightened things up. And both the Patriots and Chargers, I think the last three games, have allowed exactly 12.7 points uh, per game. What can you attribute the improvement to? Yeah, no question. I think the uh, defense is really buttoning up compared to the first uh, three or four games of the season. Um, and Interestingly, they've done it the last couple weeks without Stephon Gilmore, their big free agent signee uh, who's been out uh, with a concussion. Um, but a lot of it's been communication. Uh, you, if you guys remember watching uh, the Patriots Panthers game or Patriots Texans game or the Chiefs game opening opening night, um, just wide open receivers running track meets up and down the field with big huge communication errors and coverage errors by the Patriots, and we're not used to seeing that from them. This is a team that usually dots all its eyes and crosses its T's under Bill Belichick, and they've really cleaned that up the last few weeks. Um, they, they were still there, interestingly, in the win over the Jets and, and even against the Bucks, There were a few breakdowns, but they really tightened up against the Falcons. Um, there was not one play that I remember the entire night where there was a, a big uh, coverage breakdown. The Falcons' longest play was only 22 yards, uh, and that's a, that's a big strike offense. Uh, Julio Jones, he did have his nine catches for 99 yards in the touchdown, but his longest catch of the day was 16 yards. So they've really done a good job of, I think, maybe simplifying things in the secondary a little bit. Uh, they, they were playing a little, some complicated um, 
zone coverages and and they were even when they were in man they were doing a lot of switching and passing off and the Panthers with those bunch formations and the man in motion really uh, mystified the Patriots. So Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator, has done a good job of simplifying the defense, and uh, they're still giving up a lot of yards. They're they're still last in the league in total yards allowed and, and pass defense, but uh, they're they're slowly climbing up the ranks in points allowed, and that's obviously the only uh, the only stat that matters. The Chargers come to town, Ben, and they have some offensive players. When you talk about Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen, they've been featuring Hunter Henry certainly the last four weeks. We know Bill Belichick is famous for really taking away the opposing team's best player. And without getting inside his mind, I have to imagine that Melvin Gordon is likely going to be the focal point on Sunday. Yeah, I think they're probably going to sell out to stop the run. Uh, There's no question. I think the Chargers coming into New England um, facing a a potent offense like the Patriots, they're going to want to control the the clock, control the, the game, keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. And so obviously that's going to be, I think, a lot of uh, Melvin Gordon and his backup. I forget his name, but he was in there a lot against Denver the other yeah, day. Austin Eckler. There you go, Austin Eckler. Um, so I, I imagine the Patriots are going to sell out to stop the run, but y- you have to be wary of the big play against the Chargers, too. They can strike uh, quickly at any time. Travis Benjamin, phenomenal, dynamic, uh, big play receiver. You guys saw it last week when he took the quick slant and raced 42 yards to the house. So I, I think that's what you've got to worry about for Belichick. You've got to load up to stop the run, but um, you've got to keep probably two guys back there. The Patriots have two pretty good safeties in Deron Harmon and Devin McCourty. Take away the big play and and make the Chargers grind out 12, 14 play drives. And uh, a lot of Bill Belichick's defense is predicated on at some point in those 12 plays, you're going to make a mistake. And, um, you know, and I think we all know too, the Chargers haven't really run the ball that well either. I think they're only averaging 3.4, 3.5 yards per carry. Um, So it's going to be tough sledding for the Chargers offense, um, especially with the Patriots defense, I think starting to round into form. Ben, I believe you got to listen to Belichick and McDaniels and Patricia. I think they had their press conference earlier in the week. What are they saying about preparing for the Chargers? You know, uh, part of the Patriots' uh, mo is not much. Right? Every well, every no, every opponent is the 1972 Dolphins. So you know they'll play. You know they'll be playing the winless Jets in in the, some year and. They make Josh McCown out to be Dan Marino. So um, they, they've been very, very complimentary of, of the Chargers. I don't want to take away from the Chargers, but the the coaches are always very highly complimentary of the opponent. And, uh, I mean, they were going on and on about the, the defensive line uh, of Bosa and Melvin Ingram and uh, Chris McCain. I mean, that's a, that's a fearsome trio there that is as good as any you'll see in the league. And it kind of reminds me of uh, the Houston Texans. The Patriots have played the Texans a lot the last few years, and both teams have a pretty dynamic number 99, uh, Joey Bosa and and, uh, J.J. Watt. But then the the Texans also come at you with Clowney and and Merciless, and uh, I put Ingram and and McCain right up there too. Uh, Ingram too, watching the the game tape of uh, that Denver win the other day, he's he's a phenomenal player. Uh, just moving all over the formation, um, outside rushes, inside rushes, spying the quarterback, delivering huge hits. Uh, that one sack on Simeon that got called for penalty, I mean, just kind of it, it knocked my glasses off when I was watching it. Um, so they've, they've been very complimentary of, uh, of those, those guys up front particularly. And then this morning, uh, Belichick was raving about Phillip Rivers, calling him you know a pure football guy, kind of like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Um, if you show your defensive hand too soon, uh, Belichick called it suicide. Rivers is just going to audible and move his pieces around and, and uh, uh, check you at the line of scrimmage all day long. So he, he's been very complimentary of what the uh, Chargers do on both sides of the ball. But, again, that's kind of typical. They do, they do um, play up the opponent a lot because it, it helps get their players' attention. Well, let's get into Tom Brady because – He's been sacked 18 times this season, already more than last year, although twice twice just the last two weeks. I think they've tightened it up a little bit. How are the Pats preparing for Ingram and Bosa, and where are those sacks coming from, Ben? Is it coming up the middle? Is it coming off the edge? What, what have you seen in the offensive line of the Patriots that has led to some breakdowns? I'd say the only real common denominator is that left tackle Nate Solder has not really had a good season. Um, he missed the entire offseason and did not play in a preseason game due to uh, injury. And so he's been working his way back. And, um, you know, he, he's really struggled with some of the uh, outside speed rushers. 
So it, it, you know, I, I imagine the Chargers are going to test him a lot. Maybe even line up Ingram and Bosa um, right next to each other across from Solder and, and just kind of attack him with stunts and twists and, and those kind of things. But yeah, uh, I mean, the Chargers and watching them, that they do that all day long. They, they it looks like they're blitzing because they're so creative up front, but they're really only generating pressure with four guys, and it really tests your offensive linemen with your ability to uh, switch off and, and pass off responsibilities. Um, so even though we'll see Bosa and Ingram lining up over the tackles most of the time, it, it's still a huge challenge for the interior offensive linemen too because you never know when Ingram's going to come screaming up the middle. Um, so they've, they've tightened it up the last few weeks. The, the offensive line was not as – I don't think it was as bad as they played the first quarter of the season. It's the same five guys that won the Super Bowl last year and had a great season. Um, someone like Marcus Cannon, the right tackle, he, again, struggled a little bit out of the gate but has really come on, uh, has had some really clean, quiet performances the last two weeks uh, and is looking like the uh, all-pro player that he was last year. So, they're, you know, Dante Scarnecchia is their longtime offensive line coach. He's been doing it forever. He, no, no one's better in the league at figuring out you know, how to get his guys in the right spots and uh, getting the most out of them. You know, uh, their center, David Andrews, was an undrafted rookie, and he's uh, now a captain on the team and uh, has really molded into a nice player. Um, so, uh, you know, they're starting to round into form, and Tom Brady's still taking some big hits, but um, it, it's gotten a lot better the last few weeks. But I'm definitely concerned about Nate Solder and how he's going to handle a very, very tough challenge this Sunday. And despite being hit and sacked, as many times as he was last season, Ben. Tom Brady at 40, what can you say, man? I mean, he leads the NFL in passing yards, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, for a guy you've covered, obviously, for the last several years, it doesn't look like there's any drop-off to me at 40. No, 40 is just a number to Tom Brady. And, you know, as long as he's willing to stick to his crazy diet and his training regiment and, you know, really dedicating his life to it, there's no reason that he can't play until he's 45, like you keep saying. Um, now these hits he's taking might might say something about it. Uh, he, he's gotten flattened a few times, uh, especially last week against the Falcons. Uh, Devondre Campbell, their linebacker, had an unblocked uh, kill shot basically on Brady. So I'm sure he's feeling pretty sore from that one. But, um, you know, mentally he's mastered the NFL. There's not a defensive alignment that he hasn't seen and, and doesn't know how to beat at this point. And he really, a lot of his yards are completed before the ball's even snapped. He knows exactly where to move his guys and um, how to get them in position. You, you know, usually at this age, your quarterback is mentally on top of his game, but physically he starts to break down. But physically, he's looking better than he did 10 years ago. So as long as he can avoid the, you know, the big crippling hits and, and any sort of major injury and is willing to stick to this uh, uh, regiment that he's got himself on, you know, he's still a phenomenal player. Uh, leading the league in, in many important uh, passing stats and uh, certainly not looking like uh, a 40-year-old quarterback. And I think the biggest frustration, Ben, for opposing defenses is just the way that Brady spreads the ball around. You don't know who's going to get the ball. How have the Pats adjusted to life without Julian Edelman? Because it seems like there's there's not a, a dominant touch leader on this team. No, there's not. And uh, that's definitely a hallmark of um, Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels is they don't necessarily just force it to one guy um the Edelman injury was tough no question you know that's Brady's security blanket he was a huge weapon on third down uh just in moving the chains and and he really helped open up the field for a lot of other guys so they haven't really been able to replace him one for one but several guys have stepped up uh Chris Hogan uh already has five touchdowns this year he's he's playing more of the Edelman role in the slot uh, Danny Amendola is a similar type player, and he's had several huge, you know, third down catches. Been a very clutch player for them this year. Uh, Gronk has played over 90% of the snaps, which is a great sign for a guy uh, who's banged up. And lately, uh, the the running backs have been the focal point of the offense, and, and not just running the ball, obviously, but uh, in the passing game, big time. Uh, they have four pretty solid running backs. Uh, Mike Gillisley is generally the first down guy replacing LeGarrette Blunt. He's more of your traditional runner. Um, and then James White, Deion Lewis, and Rex Burkhead have all been involved in the passing game uh, and have all been very productive, especially White. Everyone remembers him, the Super Bowl hero. He's really developed into a, a nice piece who can catch the ball out of the backfield or line up in the slot and do some of the Edelman things. Uh, and Deion Lewis is a guy the past couple weeks has really emerged as the number one back um, for a guy who's only five foot ten and 195 pounds he runs with surprising power up uh, between the tackles and has done a great job 
um, on all three downs and has uh, really been a, a nice weapon for them. So he continues to get uh, more play in the offense. And if he can continue some of these dynamic runs, um, it's really going to help the offense. So right now they're kind of based around the tight ends, and then the, the wide receivers are more of the complementary piece. Uh, and, and then Brandon Cooks, the, the new guy from the Saints this year, he's been a great deep threat for them. I think he's second in the league in yards per catch, has several um, big catches over the top for them this year. So it's a different-looking offense without Edelman and, and with Cooks in there, but uh, they've got a pretty deep uh, stable of, of uh, skill guys at, at all the different positions that have been able to overcome it. Yeah, you mentioned those running backs. I, I think that's going to be a big key to Sunday's game and, and try to neutralize that, that Chargers uh, pass rush. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I want to get you out of here on this, Ben. Knowing this Patriots team like you do, what's going to decide Sunday's game when the Chargers come to town? Winners of three straight, and obviously the the Pats are as hot as anybody right now. Yeah, it's um, you know it's going to be a, if the Patriots are able to protect the ball, then it's going to be tough for the Chargers um, to be able to uh, come in to Gillette and win. You, you need to. Uh, force a turnover to maybe even a defensive score or a special team score. You need some some crazy things to happen, and uh, the Chargers are going to need to uh, hit some big plays too. They they need that fifty or sixty yard touchdown. They need to try to create a communication breakdown or just hit Travis Benjamin over the top. Uh, otherwise, uh, I I love the Chargers defense, but I think the offense is going to have a little bit of a tough go at it coming all the way out here to Gillette and uh, facing a, an improved Patriots defense. So it's going to take uh, a little bit of uh, some razzle-dazzle and some special plays and, and a little bit of luck maybe on defense. Um, but the Patriots aren't uh, invincible at home either. They have lost twice this year. Uh, they lost to the, the Chiefs and the Panthers already. So it's not impossible, but uh, it's going to be tough going for Phillip Rivers in the offense this Sunday. It's going to be fun, man. Ben Volan, you can follow him on Twitter, at Ben Volan. Tremendous insight. Can't thank you enough for your time, bud. All right, thank you very much. If you're a fan of the Chargers, shop our huge selection of Los Angeles Chargers gear and merchandise at the official pro shop of the Los Angeles Chargers. Buy officially licensed Chargers apparel to cheer on the team, including Chargers jerseys, t-shirts, tailgating gear, salute to service gear, and much more. Browse our collection of the most popular items and school accessories such as backpacks, fidget spinners, and Chargers back-to-school supplies. Find any kind of Los Angeles Chargers gear or clothing you may ever need today at shop.chargers.com. The managing editor of Chargers.com, Ricky Henney, joins me. And Ricky, before we get into the Patriots, a couple of other quick items. And the first is Matt Slauson. Unfortunately, he's out for the season with a biceps injury. Ricky, he started the last 23 games for the Chargers. It's a big blow when you talk about depth and veteran leadership. But Coach Lynn said there's no drop-off with the rookie Dan Feeney in there. No, there's not. Um, but what you miss with Matt Slauson is toughness and, and leadership and Philip Rivers said on Wednesday how, you know, Matt Slauson somebody who has really loved the role that he's had with these, you know, he brought these two new guys, these young draft picks, obviously Forrest hasn't played this year, um, but he saw the writing on the wall, you know, like these are the guys that are going to replace you eventually, uh, but he took them under their wing and, and under his wing and, you know, he, Philip said Slauson somebody who he has to be really banged up not to get out there, so they really miss his presence in the locker room, but Dan Feeney has come a long way, he, he's been good in the run game, He's come a long way in the past uh, protection aspect of it, Coach Lynn said, and it's kind of ironic that he's going up to get, make his first start against the Patriots when right after the draft happened, all these reports came out that the Patriots were actually ready to take Feeney for the next pick right before the Bolts snatched, uh, snatched him up. How about that? He can show them what they could have potentially had. But the, the second item, Ricky, Dontrell Inman was traded today. Uh, we're taping this on a Wednesday. He was traded to the Bears for a conditional pick. And he had just two catches for nine yards this year, but you connect the dots. Mike Williams is back. He's healthy. And this was an opportunity for the Chargers to get a pick and for Inman to get some playing time elsewhere. Absolutely. And don't forget the Chargers traded away a conditional pick uh, for Cardell Jones. So basically they're getting that pick back. And Dantrell is someone who came in here with little fanfare from the CFL uh, four years ago. And he carved out a niche in the NFL. He had just over 800 yards last year and 16 starts. But then you get Keenan Allen back this year. You draft Mike Williams. You have Tyrell Williams, who emerged last year with over 1,000 yards and is still doing well. And Travis Benjamin, simply put, there were four guys ahead of him. Uh, so this is a win-win for both teams. The Chargers get uh, draft capital back, and the Bears get somebody who has proven in this league. Uh, he can, he's a reliable target for Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky. And, you know, it's kind of funny. He may be, have been fifth on the Chargers depth chart, but there's quite a good chance that Don Trell will be 
the number one or at the very worst number two receiver for the Bears going forward. So uh, good deal for both teams. Especially when you consider, I think the Bears threw the ball, was it four times last week against the Carolina Panthers? That's unbelievable. Yeah, and their leading receiver has 20 catches on the year. So there's definitely some playing time there for uh, Mr. Inman. Yeah, all the best to Don Trail in Chicago. Uh, Ricky, let's get to the Pats. Bill Belichick held a conference call with the media today. What were some of the highlights from that? He can't stop raving about the Chargers. You know, Bill Belichick, you always think of someone who doesn't say much, but you know, he's, he's really a big fan of the way this offense is, and kind of the message from the whole team is they're catching a Chargers team who is red hot right now. Uh, he had a lot of good things to say about Hunter Henry. Um, a lot of good things to say about, obviously, Bosa and Ingram, who he says are the best two uh, pass rush uh, tandem that the Patriots have seen this year. And Tom Brady's going to need to get that ball out real quick because you give them any time, They'll pin their ears back and they'll get to the quarterback. So he says this team cannot afford to get behind and cannot afford to let those two ruin the game. You look at the other side, Ricky, with Coach Lynn. He has faced this team the last eight seasons as an assistant with the Jets and the Bills. He knows all about the Patriots. What did he say about those guys? Basically what everyone else knows. Like This is a well-coached team. And like Phil Rivers also said the same thing. They're a team that they study you well and they will know exactly what you're doing. You're going to get some wrinkles. Philip said this team is very good at deception and they will attack you where they think your weakness is. And Philip admitted right now you have a guard making his first, uh, a rookie guard making his first start, Spencer Pulley, who is a undrafted guy in his second year, who's done really well. I can't say enough for the job Spencer's done, but this is only his eighth start in the NFL. And now you have Kenny Wiggins, who this is his first year starting. So though that's some pretty, that's an inexperience there along the interior of the offensive line. So they expect um, the Patriots to do kind of what they did three or four years ago against the Chargers when they had some inexperience up in the same spots with Chris Watt at the time and whatnot, in which they brought interior pressure. So that's Phillips says that's what Belichick does. That's, that's what Lynn said. Belichick and the Patriots will find what they think your weakness is and attack it. So the Chargers really need to shore up that area and be prepared. And Phillip hasn't been, I think he's only been sacked 10 times this year, Ricky. The, the, the line has done a really good job keeping him clean. And I think Phillip over the last three games, has made some really good decisions with the football. Six touchdowns, just one interception. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Chargers have won three in a row and at the same time they've taken care of the football. You were absolutely correct. I think over the last three games they have a 7-2 advantage in the takeaway department. So uh, the only pick was one that Phillips was a boneheaded one against the Giants. Uh, Tyrell Williams had that fumble against the Raiders. But besides that, they made really good choices. And They've also run the ball a whole lot more in these last three wins. You know, they're pounding it with Melvin Gordon, and that just opens things up. And they've good choices, especially when you have a defense playing the way they're doing. You don't have to force things downfield. You don't have to take risks when you know that the defense and special teams are performing the way they are. It allows you to take what the, what the team's given, and then, you know what, a punt's not a bad thing sometimes. You, you, put, you back them up, let the defense do their thing, and then you get the ball back in a better field position. So the way the Chargers are playing complementary football in all three phases I mean, look, they started the uh, first quarter of the season 0-4, but they have a chance to end this second quarter of the season and head into the bye 4-0. And to do that against a Patriots team, that would be a major statement to set them up for the second half of the season. No, no doubt. And Ricky, you have such a unique perspective. I go back to last year, and the Chargers had lost nine in a row, and then all of a sudden they reel off three in a row. What's that locker room like? What was that locker room like on Sunday after beating the Broncos 21-0, shutting them out for the first time since 1992, and having a lot of confidence entering this game at Gillette Stadium? It's funny, but it's exactly the type of locker room you would want. There's confidence building. They're excited, but at the same time, they're saying, look, we're still three and four. You know, we can't get too high on ourselves. All we have to do is put the tape off in the first four weeks. You know, we can't get complacent. And they've also, they haven't been perfect. You know, these wins, they're winning without playing their best ball, but they are getting better and better. You, all you have to do is uh, look at the post-game press conference from Coach Lynn. He said some good things, but he, he got angry. He was, he's mad at that goal, the first offensive drive of the year, uh, of the game, excuse me, last week. When you're at the one-yard line, you give the ball four times to your pro bowl running back, and he doesn't get in. He was upset at the offensive line, but he put it on the running back. So they're not just saying, oh, these are great. Yeah, you know, la-di-da. Like, look, we need to get better. But you know what? Look at us. We're a tough team. We're physical. And we're playing lights out on defense. You're doing a great job on special teams. And the offense is, is doing their thing also when they need to make plays. So it's a kind of mix of, you know, you know, getting a little bit of swagger, but at the same time realizing, you know, we haven't done nothing yet. 
Ricky, I almost feel like those those four consecutive runs at the one, it was almost a, a statement that Coach Lynn was trying to make to this offensive line to be tougher against that stout defensive line with the Broncos and, and just that identity of being a tough, physical-minded football team. Although they didn't get it in, I think it was a lesson for future games. We're not afraid to run the football when we need to. Oh, I love how he, I won't say he called him out, but he wasn't scared to say, I put this on Melvin Gordon. You know, when you have a running back, if you consider an elite running back, I don't care what the fullback does or the offensive line does. You have to win your one-on-one. And if I give it to you four times, you've got to get in there. And that's what this team loves. They love that Coach Lynn will hold players accountable. He's not afraid to speak his mind. He's also done a great job, um, you know, keeping this team motivated. When you start our 0-4, it's very easy to just give in. But it's, it's a diff- it's, he, he wouldn't allow it. And the players appreciated that. And the other thing I just want to mention with Coach Lynn that I – appreciate is he's not stubborn he's flexible he for instance he loves to get the ball to start the game he thinks he can make a statement but you know what this team had some slow starts so he said let me mix it up let me change it it's not working he's you know he says if it's not working the dumbest thing you can do is to keep doing it over and over again so what you do he defers uh, defense gets a turnover punt return touchdown they got off to a fast start because he wasn't going to keep banging his head against the wall because that's what he prefers no that's a great point and I guess, Ricky, I'll get you out of here on this. Sunday, wh- what do you think the key to this game is going to be? Obviously, and I talked to uh, Dan Fouts about this earlier, on the surface, it seems like such a daunting task to go to Gillette Stadium and try to get a win. Uh, but the Patriots have lost twice up there already. They almost lost the third game to the Texans. When you look at this football team, what do they have to do on Sunday? Crusher Brady. I mean, I, I believe it's as simple as that. Because you look at this uh, Patriots offense, number one ranked offense in the NFL, number one passing offense in the NFL, the Chargers defense, I think they're the only team in the NFL to not allow more than 250 passing yards in a single game. This is strength against strength. Um, But when it comes down to it, they have so many weapons, right? I mean, I believe four or five players have at least 28 catches. You look at James White, Gronkowski, Chris Hogan, um, Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Oh, yeah. So in order to eliminate their weapons, you just got to, you know, rush Brady. You got to make him speed things up. You have to make him uncomfortable. I truly believe that the Chargers are able to, to, to knock Brady off his spot. And, and, and kind of like the blueprint for the New York Giants and the, their Super Bowl wins, where they, they got to Brady so fast that he wasn't able to hit his weapons. I think that's how the Chargers get this win. Um, I'm expecting a, a really exciting game. I'm really looking forward to this a whole lot. I think it's going to be a, a great game for fans to watch, and I just can't wait to, you know, I, I just can't wait to see it. I mean, this would probably be the game that I am most amped up about all year so far. It's going to be something where if you can get four in a row going to the bye week, you look at that second half of the schedule, I think these guys are going to have a lot of confidence, regardless of what happens on Sunday, but um, really looking forward to it. Great stuff, Ricky. You can follow him on Twitter, at ChargersRHenny. He does great work for Chargers.com. Ricky, I will see you on Friday, buddy. Absolutely, man. You keep up the good stuff, too. These podcasts are awesome. You're doing a great job. Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. All right, we have six teams on a bye in week eight, which means your fantasy team probably needs a little help this weekend. And luckily, my guy Matt Harmon from NFL.com, very gracious enough to join us. Matt, how are you, sir? Oh, Chris, it's, uh, it's good to be here, here in the uh, in the conference room. We're here in this conference room. We don't know what's going to happen, too. We have, someone could barge in at a moment's notice. Literally at any moment. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. If I was doing actual work here and then I had to hear my voice blaring around, I would probably be upset, too. <laughs> we'll see if we get kicked out or not. So, Matt, six teams on a bye. Packers, Titans, Rams, Giants, Cardinals, and Jags. Some pretty important teams there. There are some important teams. So I want to go through just like position by position. Quarterback, you're probably not starting any quarterbacks from those rosters. But if you Mm -hmm. did have Aaron Rodgers, you're probably still reeling from the fallout of that. From a streaming perspective, who are some guys that you could kind of plug in in week eight and feel good about? Yeah, I think the ideal candidate, but he's not – he's – not as highly available as maybe some of these other guys is Andy Dalton against the Colts. You know, the Colts right now are just bleeding deep passing production. Yeah. Uh, really good spot for Andy Dalton and, and some of the weapons that he has there. I mean, Tyler Croft is, is a guy that's been uh, actually playing pretty well. I mean, for, from a fantasy perspective, he's out there for all the snaps, and I think he'll he'll get some good looks against that uh, Colts defense. It just lost Malik Hooker, too. So Dalton's kind of the ideal candidate, but again, not as, not as widely available as some of these other guys. Uh, Josh McCown right now is legit. How about that? I know, right. Who would have thought? I mean, the Jets really have been like one of the biggest surprises in the NFL that they've just been competent enough. Um, But I like McCown uh, at home against the Falcons team that, you know, 
they've probably been one of the most disappointing teams there on the flip side. Yeah, I want to talk about them in a little bit. We we definitely should. Uh, But, you know, I I think that 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 game still could be pretty reasonably high scoring with two offenses that have some players that are – I mean – Again, I think he's probably the guy that if Dalton's not out there, he's my top option. Uh, kind of going a little farther down the list. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is, is normally pretty well owned, but I think he's a nice, safe option. Uh, and after that, I mean, it gets real hairy. Matt Moore on Thursday night, I think, is an option simply because look that that Dolphins offense has weapons. You know, even without Devontae Parker out there, Jarvis Kenny Lane, Stills. I love Kenny Stills. I mean, and and he, to be fair, Matt Moore, like with this, essentially the same cast of characters really came in and and played well last year. I think he's the best quarterback on their roster, even when Ryan Tannehill is healthy. I mean, I've a long time been a big Matt Moore fan, so I think kind of of the desperation guys, he's my favorite. But also Case Keenum is another one, like lower option. He's, oh, he, he's, he's, had some, he's had some games where he's at least like – he's had one blow-up game against the Bucks, but playing the Browns in London, obviously from a defensive perspective, you know, that's like your pure desperation option. Obviously, this podcast comes out on a Thursday morning, so if you listen to this before the Thursday night game, uh, Matt Moore could be an option. Running back, Matt, I mean, there's some big-time running backs that are not here oh, yeah. this week. Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, uh, even like Aaron Jones, Adrian Peterson, we can get into him in a little yeah. bit too. But from a running back perspective, who, who are you plugging in there with, with some of these big names out? Well, I mean, I think the two – everybody's going to be asking this week, uh, you know, with the Raiders running backs with Marshawn Lynch suspended, which one of these guys do I go after? I sent out a tweet last night, sort of in jest, but sort of not. Uh, it, I think on my fantasy teams, on half of them, I'll be picking up DeAndre Washington, and the other half I'll pick up Jalen Richard. so that come Sunday night I only hate myself 50%, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, pretty good. No, but, but for real, I really – of the two – you know, I think Richard is the better player. Uh, that doesn't always matter for fantasy, especially with DeAndre Washington was the guy they drafted. You know, you'd think he'd have the pedigree. Uh, he got more touches with, with Lynch out, got the touchdown. Um, I think either of those guys, you know, is a fine bet for volume. Like I said, I like Richard a little bit more because he's their pass-catching back, and that should give you a pretty reasonable floor. That could be the tiebreaker. There. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I normally default to, basically. Uh, so I, I like Richard as a pickup. You know, not a great spot going across the country to play a Bills defense that has looked really good this year. They've been uh, solid. So, but I think that he's probably my favorite guy that you can grab off the waiver wire and, and drop right in. Yeah, I, I think it may just be like a hot hand situation yeah, there, which be. is always a little dicey. But no, I, I think Richard would be my pick over uh, over Washington there by, yeah, probably just, by a hair. Like, that's a guy that just looks good every time he touches the ball. I actually tweeted out this morning, you know, I do a lot of work with our uh, next-gen stats, and I, I was looking at the Raiders running backs. You know, their run blocking, by the way, hasn't been all that that good this year. I know they're mm-hmm. they're outside the top 15 in football outsiders adjusted line yards. They're one of the worst teams in, in our next-gen stats. Yards gained before defenders close within a yard of them, but in terms of yards gained after defenders close within a yard of them, they rank Jalen Richard ninth in the NFL, Marshawn Lynch 28th, and DeAndre Washington 60th. So I think of the guys that can create the most on their own, I think Richard is that player. Wide receiver, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, a few other guys not you're not going to have this week streamers there yeah a lot of guys that you would think uh you know were in good positions about three weeks ago yeah <laughs> you're rethinking a lot right now no kidding uh I, th- I think one guy that really stands out that people are going to be chasing is josh doxton uh i kind of go back and forth I've had a lot of people ask me questions about him um i think he's worth a pickup no doubt about it but you know, for fantasy, it always comes down to volume. And that was the biggest problem with Terrell Pryor. Like, obviously, it looks like Doxon has ascended past Pryor in the pecking order. But with Washington, it is a spread it around offense. You know, yeah. Kirk Cousins, even he literally said as much uh, during a postgame interview. He said, look, we spread it around. We always have. We always will. So there's never going to be a funnel target. But I think this week, uh, Doxon is worth grabbing and playing simply because uh, he's one of the best receivers in tight coverage. Uh, we've seen him make multiple big plays whenever he's gotten the chance. I think Dallas and Washington engage in a little bit of a shootout there at that 425 game. Uh, so I like Doxon as a guy that you can pick up and, and throw in. But I, I wouldn't get too carried away. Maybe you actually try to sell him if he has a big game after this one because I don't think that he's going to be a player that you can rely on for volume week in and 
week out. Yeah, we thought it was going to be Jameson Crowder at the beginning of the year. We thought it was going to be Jordan Reed. And, like, I think you talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I feel like Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed have just switched bodies. Right. Like, they're, the, like, different guys now. Finally looked like uh, Reed was getting going last night. Yeah. But, but uh, or uh, Monday night, excuse me. I don't know what day it is anymore. It's middle it's middle of the season, Chris. Give me, give me <laughs> it's <break>. week eight. <laughs> but I think that just, yeah, the, the lesson with Washington's offense is, don't chase, uh, don't chase the guys. Chase the guy who's throwing them the ball, which is Kirk Cousins, who's smashing week in and week out at this point with all his weapons. Yeah, old Jay Gruden doesn't mess around. We saw with Matt nah. Jones last year, and then I don't know what Terrell Pryor did to have such a such a huge drop off in, in yeah. snaps. But it mm-hmm. looks like Doxson they they've been waiting for a long time to get him in the lineup on right. a more consistent basis. And for other wide receivers too. I mean, going back to the McCown thing. The Jets wide receivers are producing in fantasy, whether you think they're good or not. With Jermaine Curse and Robbie Anderson, those guys are getting the looks. And, I mean, especially Anderson can hit a big play at any time. Going against the Falcons, I, I like that option. Tight ends and defense. Tight ends been a crapshoot all year long if you don't have Kelsey or Gronk or, you know, a couple other guys. Uh, who's worth scooping up this week? Tight end is is a is a train wreck every single week, as you mentioned. I talked about Tyler Croft, who yep. uh, I think is kind of the ideal streaming candidate. Uh, he is out there for, like I said, over ninety percent of the snaps every week with Tyler Eifert out of there. He's been getting red zone targets. He made a big game against the Browns, who give up production to tight ends. Uh, but he also is going. He's got a great matchup, like I said, against the Colts, who were already bad against you know, defending the pass in general, but now they've lost their stud safety uh, rookie Malik Hooker. So they'll be in a pretty tough spot. Uh, looking across the rest of the guys, I mean, Nick O'Leary kind of – Nick O'Leary, man. <laughs> Nick O'Leary. I saw I, – I just Florida, – Is that Florida State's Nick O'Leary? It is Florida State's Nick O'Leary. Uh, he was he was out there for more snaps, but Logan – converted quarterback Logan Thomas was the one who caught the touchdown for Amazing. Buffalo. I was, I was like I – I was so blown away. I mean, Thomas went to this – Thomas went to the same area. He's born in the same town that I went to school in. So I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy to see. Uh, but with Nick O'Leary, he's another guy that's like, I mean, he he's not like an athlete at, at all. You know, he's got like no definition on his arms, pasty white looking arms or whatever. I remember I was, I was I just uh, co-managing a fantasy team with, with somebody and uh you know I was, I was telling her whatever about nickelier i was like no we need to tight end this week delaney walker's on by like we might have to think about nickelier she's like all right well tell me a little bit about him and i start <laughs> describing him and she's like so what are we playing him on his personality but <laughs> i'm like no he's, he's got a pretty good opportunity with charles clay out there and they're playing the raiders and and I mean, there's just not a lot of pass catchers in Buffalo right now. So if you're desperate for tight end help, I think you can roll out O'Leary with moderate, moderate expectations. I want to move to this this Patriots-Chargers matchup on Sunday. And Hunter Henry was a guy that was a little puzzling the first four weeks. He was not targeted in half of those mm-hmm. games. You're starting to see them feature Henry a lot more the last four games. I think he's 221 yards and two touchdowns over the last four games. Mm-hmm. He's got to be a tight end one, I, I imagine, moving forward here. Oh, yeah. I think he's in that group of guys that you count on every single week because he's out there uh, for a lot of snaps. He's running a lot of routes, which is key for the tight end position when you're not – obviously when you're not out there blocking. So uh, he's somebody that I think you play every single week. And, I mean, he only – I believe he just crossed the 70-yard threshold last uh, last game out. But I think this should be a good spot for him uh, against the Patriots team. It's obviously given, obviously given up a lot of production to passing attacks. But uh, he's definitely somebody – I mean, it's a limited group of guys that you can count on week to week and I think somebody with that usage profile um, he and Keenan Allen are kind of the the guys you can depend on in in this passing game yeah so Keenan Allen Hunter Henry and Melvin Gordon I think I talked about this with franchise last week and Melvin Gordon I feel like he's he's in your lineup every week but I think you have to taper expectations based on just like the yards per carry sometimes he just he just gets put in some spots where he's not able to generate a lot of yards yeah I don't think he's that type of back that's ever going to be a high yards per carry guy I mean we have a you know just over two-year sample now of him in the NFL and he's always been a low yards per carry I mean even last year during his big breakout year he was under four which is you know it's fine it's it's yards per carry I think is kind of like a little bit of an overrated stat anyways sure uh so it's not a big deal but yeah he's definitely not someone that you're just going to be expecting that from the Patriots uh Brady Gronk 
And then the I think the most frustrating thing about playing them in general, you take fantasy out of it, is just how they spread the ball around. Oh, yeah. Um, Deion Lewis is a guy that we've seen get a little uptick the last three weeks. What do you look at this week for the Patriots' offense against the Chargers? Well, I think the we are, like you said, talking about the frustrating part of them. The, the most frustrating part is the backfield. Uh, but, but, look, you've got to take shots at it because, like we said, running backs are, are a tough proposition right now. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are on by. There's always a lot of injuries at the position. So you got to take shots at that Patriots backfield because – it's a high-scoring offense, and this should be a pretty high-scoring game. I, I don't know if you agree, but that's what I would I would think. No, I agree. And the Chargers right now give up the second most yards per carry to, to running backs in the NFL, or at least their top five in that statistic. And I like guys like Deion Lewis because of that. I like guys like Rex Burkhead because of that. I mean, to me, the Patriots' backfield needs to be more of those two guys and less of Mike Gillisley, who just doesn't offer any versatility to this offense. Like, when, when teams see Gillisley in the backfield, they know it's going to be a run. He has zero targets on the year. I think you even saw that last week against the Falcons and Lewis and Burkhead are are just as good if in my opinion not better runners than Gillisley so I think those two guys are definitely worth playing Lewis the preferred option because I think he's the better player he's getting more snaps and more touches in Burkhead right now but I think you can throw Burkhead out there if you're in a real tough spot with running backs we talked about Atlanta at the beginning let's get to them because they're, they're head-scratching, man. Yeah. Matt Ryan has been a big disappointment this year from a fantasy perspective. How do you view this offense moving forward? They have the Jets on the road in Week 8. Right. Well, I think I said this on Twitter, and I might have said it on, on the Fantasy Live podcast, too. The 2017 Falcons have given us no reason to think they're a good team. And yeah. they've given us less than that to think that they're a good offense. I mean, the play calling is disjointed right now. Uh, they seem to be struggling to just – get the ball to their good players uh I, I don't know what you do with I mean if you have a if you're like a Matt Ryan owner in fantasy football you have to at this point I would hope have moved on from the fact that you have like an every week starter I think you are in the streaming quarterback market um Devonta Freeman and Julio Jones are guys that you definitely want to hold on to if not maybe make some like exploratory uh by low offers if you don't own them um and then these ancillary pieces Muhammad Sanu has actually been quietly good he has more than six targets in every game except the one where he got injured mid-game against the Bills um, oddly enough he's been kind of consistent uh, in fantasy so that's fine but the rest of these guys like I mean Tevin Coleman has no like predictable usage he's not getting the passing volume that you would have thought um, you know guys like Austin Hooper have not come through so this is a type of offense like in the, in the 2016 Falcons you're interested in those little ancillary pieces like the Taylor Gabriels you know even the Jacob Tammies or whatever because you're just scoring so many points yeah. but when this offense is mediocre to poor you start cutting ties with those sort of players so what do you do with ryan this week i mean seemingly he has a bounce back performance in him potentially against the jets for instance Harmon, deshaun watson in seattle or matt ryan in new york like who, who would you yeah. who would you start i mean i gotta go with watson i think that 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 matchup with the seahawks and the texans is one that's real fascinating to me i mean even just those, those it's funny we do have like two afternoon games and that's it yeah but both of them they're great be games. like awesome games I, I am really looking forward to tracking both of those uh closely you know to me i, I do think that game could get pretty high scoring i, I mean the seahawks are always a always a threat to put up points at home and i know the seahawks defense is like one that we're intimidated by on paper but they haven't they have let up some passing yardage uh you obviously more so want to attack them on the ground but i think watson's just so hot right now he's got a great set of weapons you know he has some rushing ability to give you a little bit of a floor I mean I just don't know that you have any sort of predictable floor or ceiling with Ryan I mean if you're in a tough spot like we've mentioned there's not a lot of great quarterback streamers I guess you play him but in that debate Watson versus Ryan I'm gonna just I'm gonna default to the player that's cooking right now and that's Watson and not so much the guy who struggled all year I want to get back to quarterbacks really quickly. Phillip Rivers, I didn't, I didn't ask about him this week, streaming against the Patriots. Yeah, I think he got to. I mean, Ryan, we keep talking about struggling. He is the first player to not go over 300 passing yards against the Patriots this this year. So I think you can look for Phillip Rivers to restart that streak at least. Uh, this game should be high scoring. I think the individual matchups on the Chargers go really well uh, against the Patriots. You know, they've used a little bit of a combination of Travis Benjamin and Keenan Allen in the slot this year. You've seen both those guys take some of those reps, uh, and the Patriots have given up some of the – they're one of the teams allowing the most yards to slot receivers this year. So I think what the Chargers do well on offense matches up really well with what the Patriots don't do so well on defense. 
Staying at quarterback, Cam Newton in this Carolina offense, they're up and down, man. Uh, yeah. Christian McCaffrey, what do we make of him? And what do we make of Cam? I, I, did he, he just walked out of a press conference. Yeah. Like, I, Cam seems to have a lot going on. Yeah, Cam's got an awful lot going on. You know, and I think it all, there's a little bit of a fan theory going around on Twitter that it all started with the little blonde goatee. Everything seems to have been going off, yeah. going wrong for him ever since he, he grew that out. Maybe he, needs blonde to, goatee. maybe he needs to reconsider that look. Uh, but anyways, back to football for a second. With the, I mean, Let's start with the run game with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the Panthers have been a total and complete nightmare running the ball. I mean, McCaffrey has saved his fantasy utility because he's been uh, he's been nice in getting some yards uh, through the through the air. But Carolina is ranked 31st in our yards before close uh, stat for next gen stats, which I think helps evaluate some run blocking. Uh, they've been miserable in games when Ryan Khalil hasn't played. Uh, I, I just think that we need to see something from this running game before believing that they have anything and honestly I don't know I don't know what's going to change they've actually lost more linemen to injury lately anyway so McCaffrey I think is purely like a he's a almost purely a receiver now at this point I mean and also to it's a little bit on him as well too I don't think he's played that well I mean he has he Hardly breaks any tackles. Doesn't really create yards on his own like we thought he would. Basically, we like seven carries for ten yards last week. It's disgusting. I mean, <laughs> and Stewart's not that much better either. I mean, yeah. so I'm pretty much out on any hope for this Panthers run game, which is a big problem because that's what their offensive identity should be. I mean, they really miss Greg Olson. They really do. They really miss Greg Olson as a reliable presence. Uh, and again, it's just the the lack of the lack of good offensive line play. I think really. Uh, takes this team down. I mean, Cam Newton, when he had his 2015 MVP season, that was their best by far run blocking and pass blocking line that they had. Uh, that was that team was really firing on all cylinders, and that's what really makes that offense so much better. We've seen now over the last two years when that falls apart, so does Cam Newton, so does their deep pass game, et cetera, et cetera. However, this is a nice spot against the Bucks defense, who just had to put Noah Spence on IR, and were already dead last in sacks in the NFL. Um, it's a little bit of, and their rush defense has been ripped apart by Adrian Peterson yeah. uh, and then Lashawn McCoy last week. So it's a little bit of that movable object versus uh, you know versus the stop the un, the stoppable force or whatever. Uh, so. I don't know. I, I think that y you can play your Panthers this week, uh, and if they don't do it this week, then it's 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 bad because this is a like I said a dream spot against the Bucks defense. Matt, I get you out of here on this. Amari Cooper, Adrian Peterson. I feel like fantasy owners. We all do it. We mm -hmm. all fall into this trap of overreacting to like the previous week. Yes. And Amari Cooper, there, there was more of a, a sample size there. But how do we just have people relax and not overreact? to every single week because Adrian Peters and all of a sudden was an RB1 and then he puts up the the performance that we've seen again, yeah I mean this is more of like a philosophical like general thinking question we need some philosophy here I on think, this podcast I think what it is is just you have to be forward thinking with fantasy football you you cannot like always look back and think that the past is going to just keep repeating itself I mean Football is such a small sample size game. I mean, even 16 games of a season is real small sample size compared to like sports like basketball or baseball, where there are hundreds and hundreds of needless games, in my opinion. But anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like you're dealing in real small sample sizes, and you kind of have to deal with the seasons as like fractions of a season. Like there is the, you know, the Adrian, the Amari, the, like what I could paint the picture of it with Amari Cooper is like. There's the fraction of the season where Amari Cooper struggles, and now there's going to be the fraction of the season where he starts cooking. And you have to kind of balance things and, like, what have we seen in years past? What do teams typically do? There's no exact equation for it, or otherwise, you know, we'd actually be experts instead of just them pretending that we are. Uh, <laughs> like, you've, you've just got to try to be forward-thinking uh, and take things on a case-by-case -case basis. Like I said, there's really, there's really no rules to this. And, and I think the most important thing for me is – being able to tell yourself a story uh, with how this works out in certain different ways and then letting that help you imagine the range of outcomes. Every player from a week-to-week -week basis and from a season-to-season -season perspective has a range of outcomes. And finding those like the different points in that range and then convincing yourself like this is the one I think could happen uh you know I think that's what it's done and Adrian Peterson's a good example because obviously Carson Palmer being out changes things but let's for a second just go back to what he did in uh in week six or his first game with the Cardinals I think there was coming off that game there was still a real wide range of outcomes I think we saw 
that when, yeah, when the Cardinals win games, when they blow teams out, he could smash and do real well. Uh, but then there's also the range of outcomes that, you know, if they fall behind because they're not a real good defense, their pass protection struggles, and their offense in general is not is is a real high-variance one, then there are those games when he's going to get 11 carries for 30 yards. Like, all of that is possible on a week-to-week perspective with Adrian Peterson, and you have to just remember that. Yeah. Don't fly off the handle. Yeah. You know, good like, especially on Twitter, don't, don't blow up mentions – yeah. Things happen. It's I, fine. It's like I said. It's <laughs> it is a highly variance game. Super small sample sizes, um, and you can. My my one of my good mentors in the business, Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys, always puts it this way: like you can be right and wrong about a player uh, prediction from the preseason all in one year. Yeah, you know, sure. <laughs> like that happens all the time. Like if you thought Amari Cooper was going to be a bust, you've looked right so far. But you know, come week sixteen, he might start smashing again, and then you look wrong. And all, but you're right and wrong all in the case of one year. Matt Harmon, what do you got going on? I had the franchise on last week. We talked about fantasy hipsters, promote everything you got going on, NFL.com, Twitter, everything. Sure, yeah. I mean, on Twitter, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Doing a lot of stuff with the Next Gen Stats right now. If you use the hashtag Next Gen Stats, you can check out some of the stuff that Such I, good that I stuff, tweet out. Dude. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's cool because it's all new data that we're all working with and trying to learn together. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, so what does this mean? I'm like, well, what do you think it means? You know, do, does this mean that a receiver is bad or good? Well, what do you think? Like, that's that's the fun about football analytics is that there's no objective truth. Yeah. We're all trying to just dig through it together. And, and so I really appreciate anybody that checks out that content. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate it, and we'll definitely have you back here, hopefully down the stretch, playoff time absolutely anytime Chris all right bud and that's going to do it for Chargers Weekly my thanks to Matt Harmon Ricky Henney Ben Volan and the great Dan Fouts for joining me if you enjoy the podcast you can subscribe on iTunes on Google Play and now on Stitcher and we'd also love it if you left a review on iTunes it's really easy to do and it helps us move up the charts get this podcast to as many Chargers fans as possible we're going to take a bye along with the team next week we'll be back at it in week 10 Enjoy the game Sunday, and until next time, we'll see you soon.